Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. What a joy to be with you. I don't know if the students will be able to hear you, but can we give them a little round of applause and thank them? I, uh, I actually asked him, hey, why don't you head up to uh, talk to Noah and the, uh, the, uh, his class, his students up there. And so uh, they're off talking with them now. And I just love our students. I really appreciate them and throwing this band together to come and bless you guys. And I hope you were blessed by them. Let me show you a few more students. Here's a picture of uh, the students pre-COVID uh, <laughs> standing on the ramp there. Those are the traditional age, the young ones uh, that like the ones in the band here who are in that picture actually somewhere. And there's about a thousand of them. And we're right up here in Rockland. But you'll notice the little, uh, the little inset picture. That is the very first class of San Jose Bible College started by my grandfather in 1939. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, and um, so we've grown just a little bit. Uh, We have not only that thousand that you see on the ramp that are traditional age, playing sports and doing all kinds of stuff with the music and theater and all of that, but we also have about another 800 adults that study at night, coming in one night a week or... Um, online, and we have master's levels programs as well as bachelor's, completion bachelor's. And by the way, you might have even heard in the news, we uh, are leasing a little spot here in Elk Grove in kind of a new community center that you had built not too long ago. And uh, we were planning on getting all launched and then COVID hit. So you'll be hearing more about that for a one night a week program for adults. And there's a, a gentleman I brought with me. His name is Cameron. He's out there with a little table. And I'd love for you to stop out there and pick up a little something from him and just to know how to pray for us. We appreciate your prayers. You are a partner church. Uh, and, and because you're a partner, by the way, we put this in our entryway. Check out this little picture. Not bad, huh? Now, don't be too impressed. There's 130 of those hanging there. <laughs> Uh, over the door, uh, and it's uh, just really cool. That's, that, that's how many churches are behind us in what we're doing, trying to integrate the Word of God with whatever subject, and we got all kinds of subjects now, 50 different programs in the sciences and in, the, in business and in, uh, 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 oh man, uh, all kinds of psychology and education and ministry, and so uh, God's really blessing, and it's going great because great people like you are standing with us and saying, yeah, let's have a college that has good moral values and teaches the word of God and brings up young people like these who want to honor his name. Amen? Well, yeah, it's pretty neat. So, uh, yeah, so Chris, you know, he called me up, your pastor, I've known him for years, and he called me up and said, you believe in free speech? I said, of course I do. He said, good, come give one. (laughs) So here I am. So here I am, and if this doesn't go well, come back. I won't be here next Sunday, but I'm going to do my best to uh, share with you a a challenge and and an encouragement because uh, LifePoint, I'm encouraged by you. Uh, I was also told second service, you're a little bit more awake than first service. And it looks like it. And I appreciate that. It's great to be with you. I love them too, but you're awesome looking people. Um, It was David, King David in Psalms, he wrote this. And I think the slide will show you. My title is Legacy Principles. You, you, you're a part of a legacy, uh, not, not just, you know, not just um, uh, the 4th of July. We're a part of a great country. I mean, this is awesome. The independence, the, the freedom that we have as Americans, and this is wonderful. But you know, you gather here together today, and you're a part of a legacy of this church, a heritage. And now maybe you don't have uh, a history or a legacy in your family of faith, 
but maybe you'd be the one to start one. Maybe you'd be that first generation. You see, David said in Psalm 61.5, You have heard my vows, O God, and you have given me a heritage of those who fear your name. Wow, what a powerful verse. You see, I think that's a verse that many of you could speak today. God has heard your vows. You have said to God maybe at some point in your life, and that's why you're here today in church, you've said, God, I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, to forgive me of my sin, that, that I could be washed clean, that I could then live with you someday, that I have this kind of hope for the future and the kind of strength that only your spirit could give by indwelling my life because I have a faith in you. And I'm saved by the grace of God through the faith that I have, through the faith that you have. You've made a vow. Maybe you made a vow like that. You know the cool part? Well, as David says here, because you've made that vow, now you are a part of a great heritage. You've been grafted in. You're a part of this family. Not just the LifePoint Christian Church family, but the family of God. And that is cool. Amen? I mean, that is awesome. You're a part of this heritage. And so now our job is not to just sit back and go, wow, well, this is pretty cool. This is neat. I got hope for tomorrow. I got a faith for today. Awesome. But it is that we would continue this heritage and this legacy. So what I want to share with you are these three quick things, okay? And then I'll get you out of here before the Baptists or uh, my buddy Perry over here at Harvest Church, the, the, the assemblies of God. That's funny, isn't it? No? I get you. You can beat them to brunch or lunch or something. No? Is, it, is this coming out in Spanish? Okay. Here's, so I'll shut up. Here we go. There's three things that I believe I've learned. That a lot of things I've learned, but the three things that I want to share with you because of interest of time that I got from my parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents through God's word. You see, because in my life, that was a, there was a heritage. Uh, my last name is Jessup. You wonder how I got my job? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I, I, there, there was a heritage of faith, and I'm so blessed by it. I really am. But the truth is, it started because... Some people way back with the last name Jessup said that they believed in God and they passed on that faith. And um, there's three things that I just want to share with you. The first is this. If I had to boil it all down as to what I learned through God's word, through my family who walked with God, is that you are a living example. Brothers and sisters, that sounds very basic, okay? Very simple. It's not deep. But you are a living example. The way in which you act and react to the world, because you're in here today, you believe there is a God, I assume, or you were dragged in kicking and screaming because your family member wanted you here. Hang with me. But if you believe, then your life may be the only Bible some people will ever read. You with me? The way in which you act and react to the world around you, you may be the only Bible some people will ever read. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul had just got done telling the church in Corinth a number of things about the freedom in Christ and, 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 and how to live. And then he says this, chapter, one verse, or chapter 11, verse 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He says, you know, if you're going to boil it all down, here, here's what you do. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You want to know how to live? He says, follow my example. I got to be honest with you, man, I do not want to stand up here and say, follow my example. I make a lot of mistakes. And if my wife were here, she would have joined me, by the way. But when she heard I was preaching three times, she said, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> if, 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 if you can't stand up and say, follow my example, then who will the next, next generation follow? You with me? You see, as I stand up and I say, 
Well, follow me. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I make a lot of mistakes, brothers and sisters, a lot of mistakes. And my wife, if she were here, she would say, yeah, don't follow him. He blows it all the time, you know. I want to point you to Christ. But if we can't, as Christ's followers, say unto those who would be watching, man, I'm going to mess up, but follow me. I'm following a great God. And then maybe through you, they find Christ. See, because your life is a living example of what you believe about God, the way you act and react to the world around you. Here's something, it, it, this is really cool. And I don't remember where I got it from, so I won't take credit, but it's really cool. Your actions create habits. Okay? Your habits create character. And your character creates destiny. Let me hit you again in case you didn't have enough caffeine this morning. Your actions create habits. That which you do over and over again begins to be a habit in your life. And those habits, those begin to develop character, who you are from the inside out. And that character will determine destiny, where you'll be in a few years, where you'll be ultimately. With that in mind, let me tell you the story of my great-grandparents, Calvin and Matilda Jessup. Here's a picture of them. They lived down Highway 99 at the Keys Exit. At the end of the 1800s, early 1900s, he had a farm. I never, I never knew them, though I, I do look a little old sometimes. Um, I, they had a farm down there. And if you go down the 99 near Ceres Modesto, if you know that area, okay, Keys, there's one exit. Take a right. Go two streets. You come to Jessup Road. Take a right on Jessup Road. You come down back towards the freeway. And there's this huge grain elevators. And if they let you through, there's this little tiny house. And that's the house the picture was taken at. He was an elder at the Ceres Christian Church, which still exists today and is a partner church of ours. And I preach at about once a year or so. And I love it. Well, one morning he got up to hook up the horses to the carriage to take Matilda and six kids to church. When he got out to the stable, he found the horses had busted loose. He called out. They didn't come back. He'd walked back in the house and told Matilda, we're walking to church. So they walked three and a half miles into church. Now, how many of you, if you went out and your car was missing, would still walk to church? I'd be saying, God has given me a pass for the day. But they walked to church, and when they get there, what do they find? The horses. And he deduced that the horses were so used to going to church that when they got lost, that's where they went. Wow, that's a testimony of example, huh? Powerful, powerful. Well, their youngest, their youngest was William Jessup, my grandfather, whom I knew very well. Here's a picture of he and his wife, Carrie, my grandma, on their 50th wedding anniversary. And I knew them very well, very well. And grandpa was an incredible encourager, amazing encourager. So was grandma. And when I, when I left for Illinois in the late 80s to go to seminary, because we didn't have internet education yet, I'm there with my wife and my little six-month-old daughter, and I'm preaching to a little church in Mount Auburn, Illinois, a heart of corn and soybean land. And I knew nothing about farming. <laughs> and everybody in my church was a farmer. And my grandpa knew it was going to be a challenge for me, so he wrote me a letter. And the next week, he wrote me another letter. And the next week, he wrote me another letter. Just letters of encouragement. And I soon realized, you know, this old guy, he's not going to stop writing, I think. So, so I grabbed a manila folder. I threw it in my file cabinet. And I just started taking his letters as he wrote me. And I put them in the file cabinet. And for two and a half years, going through my master's program back there, he wrote me every week. 
And, and, and grandma would write sideways every once in a while at the bottom just to make sure I knew it was her. And I don't think he wrote these because he thought someday I'd hold them up and show people. I think he wrote them because he cared. And he wanted me to know that he loved me. And that God was for me. And I show them to you because maybe you don't realize the impact it would have if you would sit down and write to somebody that hasn't heard from you in a while. Because you are a living example of the hope that you hold in this crazy, messed up world that you're still here today honoring God for the life he has given you. Maybe someone needs to hear from you today. And maybe they'd hold on to it for the rest of their life. It was April 12th, 1992, that I would, I would move back and I would be a pastor in San Jose at the time. And I had two kids now. And I was 26 years old and Grandpa was 86. And he was retired and still speaking around. And so he and my father and I were asked to speak at a church in Morgan Hill, California. And we were to talk, each of us, for about 15 minutes. And we were to talk about passing on your faith to the next generation. It was really fun. We had done it a number of times. Gramps went first. 86, finished his message, sat down, second row, right-hand side. I got up to speak. I got halfway through my talk, and my wife yells out at me, Jim, Jim. And I'm in the middle of this great illustration, and my wife is yelling at me. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I look down, and I realize, oh, she's holding on to him. He's having a heart attack. His head was back. His mouth was open. And she's holding on to him. And I jumped down, and I began the mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. And a Boy Scout leader, he stepped forward and he did the compressions and we waited for the ambulance, but it was time for grandpa to go home. No one has died since while I've been preaching. <laughs> Man, it got so quiet in here, I was afraid something's going to happen. Now keep breathing, would you? Because it really it messes with your confidence as a preacher to have people die on you. But... Uh, Pretty cool, though, that he would be sharing about passing on his faith, and then he would hear his grandson talk about passing on his faith, and he would go on to the arms of the Lord. Um, you see, life was an example, and because it was an example, then they had two sons, and the youngest was my father. Here's a picture of them, and we're not going to spend all time on my family, okay? Hang with me. I don't want to bore you with family pictures, but I want you to understand the heritage that you can continue, or you could start. Amen? Someday somebody may be standing up here showing your picture and saying, thank you to them. Thank you to you because you held on to God. That's why I'm holding on to God today. You get how it works? Most of you came to Christ because somebody modeled it for you. Somebody lived it out. And that's why you're here today. You might have heard a song. You might have heard a great sermon. And no one ever was in your life to live it out necessarily. But that's pretty rare. Most of the time we knew somebody. And we loved them, and we respected them. Here's my parents. My dad, my dad passed away uh, at the end of this month last year, uh, July 28th. We went on our annual backpack trip every year up to Tuolumne Meadows, Yosemite, and then into Vogelsang Lake. And uh, this was his last year, last summer. As we got into the lake, and he walked off to the left to fish, and I was fishing directly from our camp, I looked over, and I realized I didn't see him. I waited for a bit. I still didn't see him. And as I wandered over, realized he was laying down in this beautiful little meadow, 10 feet from the water, and he had graduated. And it was rough. But why do I, why do I tell you that story? 
I tell you that because I really, I am at peace. I, I, am, I am still hurting because I miss him. But I am at peace. And you see, the thing is, is that until you are at peace with death, you will never really be at peace with life. Until you are at peace with death, you will never really be at peace with life. And I look forward to that grand reunion someday, man. I look forward to it. I bet he got up into there and up to heaven and my grandpa was sitting there waiting for him saying, what took you so long? Let me show you the lakes and streams up here, man. We're going to go fishing. So the life was a credible example, but ladies, I know I've talked all about the men. Let me tell you, ladies, how much my mom impacted my life because your lives, ladies, are an incredible, incredible example when you live out the faith that you hold. My mother, boy, she was a woman of prayer, man. I mean, she could pray. I think God answered her prayers just to get her to shut up. <laughs> I mean, I'm honest. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. She would pray and pray and pray, and we'd hate it when she'd pray at mealtime. Our food all get cold. I learned so much about prayer from her. She'd look at me and say, Jimmy, you better pray. That'll come out of the carpet. <laughs> and I, I learned how to pray. She'd carry me up the stairs when I was little. Carried me up the stairs. When I was little, often, not all, not every night, but often she'd carry me up the stairs, she'd pop me into bed and she'd kneel over me and she'd pray. And I'd say, what are you doing? And one time in junior high, she tried to carry me up the stairs. <laughs> I wasn't small. And she dropped me into bed and, and I'm laying there and I remember thinking, who is she talking to? I don't see this God. She's carrying on and on. But because she kept praying, you know what happened? I began to see how that prayer was answered. And so I started to pray. And now when I have my three grandsons come over, the eight-year-old, the whatever he is, six-year-old, and the two-and-a-half-year-old. Well, the two-and-a-half-year-old, he's possessed. But the other two, <laughs> the, I mean, he'll come around, you know. But the other two, they, they stop. And, man, they look at me, and they, and they, and they just wait because they know what? They know Papa's going to pray before we eat. You are a living example. So when you leave this place and you go to a restaurant and you stop to pray, not because you want to be seen by man, but you stop to pray simply to thank God for the fact you get to eat today. Have you thought about that? You stop and pray because you actually get to eat today. Somebody's going to notice. Don't do it to be noticed. But the fact is, people will notice. Your life is a living example of the faith that you have in Christ. Oh, some examples are just really crazy. Now, here's an example of my grandfather's craziness that got started in 1975. He climbs Half Dome on his 70th birthday. That's William Jessup on the far left, and he stands on his head on top of Half Dome. Why? I don't know. It was just silly, but he loved to go to high places and stand on his head. So because he did it on his 70th birthday, my uncle, his, young, his, his oldest boy, would climb it on 70th birthday. Then my dad did it on his 70th birthday. Do you know what I'll do on my 70th birthday? I'll go up half dome again, but not necessarily because I want to stand on my head, though I'll try. I want to sit on that rock right behind them where we always sit, and we just thank God for the blessings he has given. The world thinks it's pretty crazy what we're doing right now. Coming into a place to talk to a God that we cannot see. And for you to hear from me as I tell you about my faith. The world thinks it's pretty crazy. They put this article together when my dad climbed Half Dome and said, One Half Dome meets another. Isn't that awesome? That's the same way the world thinks about your faith. So don't give up, man. You are a living example. Number two, people are more important than things. People are more important than things. If I had to boil it all down, because 
because I am a living example, because you are a living example, then we have to make sure that people are more important than things. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. How can you be content with what you have? Because God says, I will be with you. And I tell you what, it is money, it is possessions, it is the stuff of this world that takes our eyes off of what we really need in Christ. And money can become such a problem in our relationships and our friendships. Did you hear about Harold and Marge? Harold and Marge were at the county fair. Harold saw the airplane ride, actual open cockpit, dual wing airplane right next to the county fair. He said, Marge, I want to ride that there plane. She said, Harold, that plane ride cost $10. And $10 is $10. So he didn't get to ride. A few hours later, they're hanging out the, at the fair. He says, come on, Marge, before we go home, I want to ride that there plane. She says, Harold, that plane ride costs $10. And $10 is $10. The pilot overheard him. Said, I tell you what, I'll take you up in the plane. I won't charge you a dime if you can keep from making a sound. They both got in the plane. He went up, did every whip and turn and barrel roll he could to get him to holler out. He didn't hear a thing. He turned back to Harold. He said, Harold, I did everything I could to get you two to holler out. I didn't hear a word. He said, well, I was going to say something when Marge fell out of the plane, but $10 is $10. That's a great joke. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart. Good for you. Your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what that means? That means your heart always follows what you treasure. Oh, stop and think about it. This became real to me when on the news, I don't remember when it happened. It's been a number of months, but all of a sudden we're eating dinner and I hear Bolivia, Bolivia. I perk up. I would never perk up when I hear the word Bolivia. They were talking about something that happened there. Why did my ears perk up? Because I sponsor a little girl named Abigail. In Bolivia. I don't even know her. But because through Compassion International, I just, my wife and I chose, we wanted to help. And this is not some plea to do that. I'm just telling you, this is the way it works. When you have a treasure, your heart will follow it. And because we're sending just $30 down there to Bolivia for Abigail through Compassion, when I hear Bolivia, I go, oh, I wonder if she lives near there. I wonder what's going on. It's true. Your heart will always follow what you treasure. And you know, it became so real to me, this issue of stuff over God and over people. When my dad passed away and I get back to the house, which was his house that is now mine. And I look at all of his stuff and I think, man, my dad really liked that over there or why didn't he take his fly pole with him? Why didn't he take his ham radio? He, was a, he loved ham radio. Why didn't he take it? And it just dawns on you, you know, you can't take anything with you. When John Rockefeller died, he was the wealthiest man in the world. And his accountant was asked, how much did John leave? And his accountant replied, all of it. All of it. And so will you. And yet we try so hard to find the fulfillment in life through this stuff. When people are so much more important than things, man. People are so much more important. Than it's not wrong to have the things that money can buy. As long as in the process you don't lose the things money can't buy. Amen? Let me say that again. It's not wrong to have the things that money can buy. I got the car out there and the, the, the house back in Rockland. It's not wrong to have the things that money can buy. 
As long as in the process, you don't lose the things money can't buy. And people are so much more important than things. And if I'm a living example for God, then that's what the world is seeing by the way in which I live. Number three, keep looking forward. If my life, if your life is to be an example, man, may it be an example that people are more important than things because that's the way you show that you love God when you love his children. And when it doesn't go so well in your life, keep looking forward. Number three, keep looking forward. Paul tells the church in Philippi, while he's in prison, he writes these words. To a church in Philippi, it's written to you too, today. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, forgetting what is behind. And he writes this while he's in chains. Isn't that amazing? Catch this. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. Press on. You know, now some of you are sitting there saying, now, now Jim, that's, that's fine. I mean, okay, try to forget the past, but Jim, you don't know my past. I, I, I've, uh, I've got some pretty tough past. And, and I, I would say to you, yeah, you know, I don't know your past. Yeah. And I realize that some of you, it's been a rough time. And my wife, uh, she gives me permission to tell you this, okay? But she didn't have the kind of growing up that I did. She didn't have parents who loved the Lord and actually lived it out. She had a, a mom who's a wonderful lady, and I, and I love her. But she had a couple different husbands, and they were both alcoholics, and they were both angry alcoholics. And when my wife would get home, just as a little girl, she'd come home and often have to be the one to call the cops to break up a fight. And then my wife, in her about fourth grade, she began to be sexually molested by her grandfather all the way up to junior high. And that will mess you up. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Seven years into our marriage, it was rocky. We've been married 36 years now, but those first seven years, they were tough. Until we heard together this one speaker who said this, and it's hard words to take, but it's very true, and I hope that you would receive it if you need it. He said, um, you could blame a lot of people for the way in which you were raised, but you can only blame yourself for the way you choose to live today. Those are hard words. But, but you can. You, you can continue to look into your past and say, you know what? If my parents were just better at this, or if my friend hadn't have done that to me, or this, this uncle, or this person, or my, my boss hadn't have been such a jerk, I could be much better down the road. I'd be doing so much better if it weren't for these people. And I can spend all of my time looking at the past and saying, here's how things could be better for my future if this hadn't happened or if this had happened differently. You can blame a lot of people for the way in which you were raised. I know I may be stepping on some toes. I'm a guest preacher. You don't have to have me back. <laughs> Are you with me? You can blame a lot of people for the way in which you were raised, but you can only blame yourself for the way you choose to live today because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability. You have the ability. And by the grace of God, through faith in him, you have hope for tomorrow. So let's live like we have hope today. Amen? Yeah. Keep looking for. And I tell you what, I've been, I'm guilty too. Uh, uh, the fact that I love some things in my past. I wish I could go back. I'm 56 now. When I wake up in the morning, I would love 
I would love to feel the way I felt when I was 30. I wake up now and I just hurt. Is anybody else with me? I said, why do my feet hurt? I could say to the doc, doc, my feet hurt. She looks at me and goes, yeah. I mean, there's this, what happens when you get older? I've lost a lot of hair. I'm losing more of it. I like the way I look when I was 30. Let me help you out. There was this guy watching his wife. She was getting ready. It was her birthday. She didn't like what she was seeing, what another year had done to her. And she's looking in the mirror. And he, he's looking at her and he's just smiling. And she, he sees she's visibly not happy with herself. And he says, honey, you're, it's your birthday. What do you want for your birthday? And she goes, oh. And she looks in the mirror. I wish, I wish I was six again. He jumps out of bed, takes her to an amusement park, puts her on all kinds of rides, gets her hot fudge sundae, cotton candy, gets her a happy meal on the way home. They plop on the couch together. He says, well, honey, how did it feel to be six again? Her eyes got huge. She looks at him and says, is that what this was about? I meant my dress size. Sometimes, you know, we don't go back, right? It's hard to go back. Well, I would love to go back. Gentlemen, let me help you out. Let me help some of the men out. Okay, ladies, just hang with me. Do you understand, gentlemen, why married women tend to be a little larger than single women? Don't get mad at me, ladies. Hang with me. Why married women tend to be a little larger than single women? Because when a single woman gets home, she looks at what's in the fridge and she goes to bed. But the married woman gets home and looks at what's in the bed and goes to the fridge. <laughs> huh? Come on. Here, here, here's, here, here's just the truth. We cannot go back. And, and God is so much more concerned. He is so much more concerned with your today and your tomorrow. Amen? He is so much more concerned with it. Man, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. You know, it was Oswald Chambers who said, Oswald Chambers is a great missionary and uh, author, and he, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he said this, beware of spending too much time looking back at what you once were when God wants you to become something you have never been. Ooh. Beware of spending too much time looking back at what you once were when God wants you to become something you have never been. We don't have any idea what it is that God could yet do in our lives. But if you're not open to it, he ain't going to be able to do it. Would you realize that you are a living example as you walk out these doors? Would you put people over things? And man, when you mess up, or would you just wish things were different or we could go back to the way things were? Remember what God wants from you is to keep looking forward, man. To keep looking forward. Well, it was the two, 2004 Summer Olympics. 2004 Summer Olympics that a man named Matt Emmons, an American, he was in the 50-meter rifle competition. I didn't even know there was a 50-meter rifle competition in the Olympics, but... In 2004, in Athens, Greece, a true story. And by the way, I, I happened to tell this story one time in Galt, where at the Family Life Christian Church was the female discus winner who was there. And she goes, I remember that story. Anyways, uh, look it up. Matt Emmons, 2004, Athens, Greece. He is so good at what he does. He is so good that by the final round, all he had to do was get the shot on the target. He didn't need a bullseye. Just get it on the target. And he had the gold wrapped up. Do you know the problem? 
The problem was because he knew it, he got distracted. He lost focus. He didn't keep his head in the game. And he lifted his rifle. He fired the shot. The light didn't come on at the end of his row indicating a shot had been fired. The judges come over. They pull in his target. They look at it. There's no hole in it. And they think, well, wait a minute. Let's pull in the targets next to his lane. When they pull one of them in, there it is, a bullseye. In his haste, he lined up on the wrong target. Isn't that amazing? And in so doing, because of that lack of concentration, because of that lack of focus, in so doing, he didn't come home with the gold or the silver or the bronze. Eighth place. Eighth place because he missed the entire target. And when I read that story, I thought, wow, what a metaphor for us as Christ followers. You understand how true that can be in your own life? You walk into this place, you hear about from Chris and others, and they're telling you, Jesus has won the battle, amen, and he has. He paid the price, he won the battle. Your life is in Christ now, if through faith, by his grace. It's like we've won the battle, it's awesome. But then we can lose focus on what we're supposed to do while we yet live on this earth, while we yet have breath. And so easily we can lose focus and be aiming at the wrong target, man. I pray today, maybe this was of encouragement to you, to walk out of this place today just remembering, I am a living example. I may be the only Bible some will ever read. And I'm going to put people over things. I'm going to put people over things. And man, when I do mess up, praise the Lord for his forgiveness and his grace. I'm going to keep looking forward. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. God, it has been my joy and my privilege, my honor to be able to come here today and just share with these my family and my friends. Uh, God, uh, in the inadequacy of my words, I just pray that those who are here today, that maybe there were two or three that just needed to be encouraged by the fact that uh, God, you're there for them and you're waiting. To, you're waiting to take their hand again. You're waiting to hear from them. You're waiting, Lord, just for them to say, yeah, Lord, I, I want to continue this legacy and this heritage. Or, Father, I want to start this heritage of faith in my family or around my friends or at my job simply by the way I live, simply by the way I act and react to the world around me. And may, God, you help me and give me strength to be able to truly live out the fact that people are more important to me than things. And Father, thank you that you can help me into the future as I keep looking forward. And I will give you all the glory and praise in your son's name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.